When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk. We're a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers, makers you know, you understand. My name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and maybe, fingers crossed, our friend Mareko Momasi, bladesmith at Momasi Fire Arts, will arrive, but he's having wind issues and that's the way it is. <laughs> wind issues. <laughs> right in. You know what? Speaking of that, thank you, Will Stelter, for coming in last week. Both Craig and I were on our fucking best behavior because we oh, had yeah. a feeling that your mother was listening and it's probably the case. <laughs> I think it was, yeah. She, she she liked the post, so I think she could have been listening. But, right. Um, so now we're back it, to it our felt, own hijinks. We were very restrained last week. I think. I think we we did well. No cop yeah. jokes. It was all good. Well, I try to I try, I try to I try to get you. I try to get you with uh, <laughs> spatchcocking a juicy bird, but you didn't fall for it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> How have you been? What's going on? Um, I've been good. I mean, we're talking about Morocco's wind issues. We're on week three of storms here in the UK. Um, crazy winds, but um, it's been it's been good. So I've been I've still been carrying on with that um, the the spines of those chef knives, a hundred right. of them to do. Um, I've probably got about fifteen left now. That's all. Wow! Um, but it's been blistering work, um, and at the same time, I've been wrapping things ready for heat treat, which is the next step. And I mean, wrapping a hundred knives in foil, you can imagine my hands are oh. cut to cut to shreds. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of those things when you're doing a hundred. I'm thinking, right? If I do it this way, maybe I'll save five minutes. Right. And when you're saving five minutes on a hundred things, that that's like eight and a half hours. You I, know. I hundred percent agree. And I'm thinking, you know, I want to round the spines before they go before I heat treat, just because it'll just be that much quicker to do. Um, but you know, ten minutes that that's seventeen hours work for a ten minute job. So it's. Yeah, it's 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 fun, but it's a slow, slow process. Um, but yeah, all gearing up, ready for heat treat. And the good news is, finally, I've managed to snag myself after looking on eBay weekly for months and months and months. Managed to find myself a a Rockwell tester, a hardness tester. Oh, awesome! Which was it's literally just an hour from where we're staying here in London. It was it's an old factory that's closing down, and an old metal shop they're closing down. And they had, they've, they've got a bunch of things there as well, but I managed to get this. And it's like brand new. It's perfect. 
um, a really, really good price. But he had a bunch of other stuff, like, you know, those, like, EDM machines that do the, uh, you know, for custom pins and all that. Oh, and that kind I of stuff. I just don't have this. Dance music thing. Ah, well, it is too, yeah, yeah. Right. But, um, you know, when you do a custom pin, you use, you use the wire to cut out the uh, the shapes in a custom pin. Um, they had them, but the machine is huge, and I just, I just don't have the room. But he's practically giving it away, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm picking that up tomorrow, so I'm really, really chuffed with that. It's, be, it's been a good week. It's been That's a good week. great score. That's a great mm. score. I, yeah. You know, going back to the doing things over and over again, uh, big batches, before I was making knives, I did a giant uh, installation of these carved, uh, painted fishing lures, um, and I did 60 of them. And mm. I had to get into the mindset of I can't just paint one at a time. I had to do every brush stroke one yeah. time for each one. So because they were very – the way that they – I wanted them to all look the same. So I got to the point where I was doing a brush stroke. I had to create this easel that held all 60 lures both you know there's not a front and a back they're both the same mm. and i had to do one stroke 60 times and it got to the point uh-huh. where you 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 go into a degree of madness yeah it's, oh yeah it's i'd never i had to do all these eyeballs i had to do 120 eyeballs and it took me three hours to do these eyeballs just one little black circle and i was like i am uh-huh. i'm falling into madness and that's what happens <laughs> that's what's going to happen to you i like things when they're like on a machine, right. whether you're, when I like the grinding process, I like you know on a, on a drill press, I like that kind of thing, that repetitiveness. But I think handwork, yeah, it can just drive you crazy, right? And especially doing these envelopes for the for the heat treat, you know, the, the thick stainless steel. Yeah. Oh man, it's not good. Mm. It's 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 yeah. The, the envelopes are the, so if you're not on, you know, know what we're talking about when you're heat treating uh, stainless steel. You're trying to create an uh, oxygen-free environment, and how you can do that is you make these foil packets with a stainless steel foil, and then you slip your knife into the stainless steel foil. So when they're in the oven, going to the critical temperature, there's you know you have an oxygen-free environment. There's no scale buildup. There's no you know you're not you're not getting any scale buildup. You're not losing a lot of that carbon that you want. So the difference between this, that foil and aluminum foil is a lot and it's the stainless steel foil you, you, the no it's notorious for cutting your fingers to shreds it's razor sharp yeah yeah so yeah what what else um we, i briefly mentioned last week that i've had a bit of a breakthrough with packaging i've been working with a company to make the packaging for these sustainable knives right we we finalized the design and it's actually in the post to me now which is the the original the sample um just to make sure all the sizes are perfect and I think it's going to be good. So I'll try and describe. It's difficult, sort of, in this format to describe a packaging. But um, it's going to be a square box. Um, there's the so it's going to be a shipping box. Right. When you open the top, if you think of a square across the diagonal of it, so forming a brace, okay. will be it will be a a cardboard insert where the knife sits. So okay. that makes a real solid box, really brace solid box. But there's also a well of uh, 15 millimeters across the top where a book, which is the exact size, fits in that I've made for these knives. So the, the book fits in. So when you open this, this the shipping package, you're presented with a book, you lift up the book, and then you've got the knife then held in place. It's going to be really cool. So either side of that diagonal brace then, there's there's a pocket. So I can throw stickers in there and little oh, bits nice. and pieces like that as well. So it, I think it's going to be really good. I think going forward... 
that's going to be what I'm going to be using for all of the designs, really. And do you, cool. and, and you're going to just have different inserts to fit the different style of knife? Exactly, exactly. So I've made the insert for this Sustainable Chef knife, but I've also made the insert for uh, table knives as well. So you can fit four table knives into Sweet. as well as the book. So it's it's really cool. And it's it's all recycled material. It's completely recyclable. Um because you know it's it's it it just works really well and I'm really pleased with it. I'm I uh I always that's the one thing I I try to make my my packaging is I like my packaging. It's mm. very similar to what Fingal Ferguson does, which is we get yeah. like uh construction paper and kind of wrap it up like a you know like a packet like a uh you know like something from the deli or something like that. Yeah. I do like the way that is, but I definitely that's one of the things that I want to I really want to try to that's one of the things that I'm down on myself about is the packaging isn't as high level as I would have liked it. But, you know, these things, yeah. we're going to focus on what you got to focus on. Exactly, exactly. So so what have you been up to, Jeff? Well, last week I was, uh, I had uh, my friend John Ariani, Sunset Forge, uh, Sunset Forge NJ, came up for the day, and um, we recorded next week's episode of the podcast, which is great. It was all hammers and blacksmith stuff, and it was, he was a lot of fun. And then he helped me forge a, ham- a hammer. I, I've only made like six or seven hammers, but none. I only did one by myself. And boy, that was like, I mean, I might have been a bit of, might as well have been a brick brick on a stick. That thing sucked. Uh-huh. And the times I do make hammers with him, I'm always learning. And he's just been great. I, I blanked out a hammer, which is you have the material and then you kind of, uh, I forge it into a, the rectangle and I broke the corners. And what that does is it prepares you to pop the hole and, you know, whatever. So he helped me. Are you using and, a press for that, or using your power hammer? Uh well, they use a they use a hydraulic press. Um, I mm. used a power hammer. Uh, I made a punch that fit on the end of a a piece of steel that I could um, punch using the power hammer. I made like a little punch tool, which is great. A lot of people use presses, but then old school is you know you know Cliff and John when they make hammers, a lot of times they'll use they'll strike so. You're basically just like you have two punches. You're going one direction, then the other direction. They meet in the middle, and then you kind of knock out what's called a slug, um, and then you drift the eye open. And you know the whole thing about blacksmithing is you're just it's a it's a conservation of material. So you didn't drill. We didn't drill. But we talk about we'll talk about that on the on the next episode. But we had a great time, yeah. and then he brought up some knives to work on, and and we were we fought, we um we were doing some grinding on that, and then um, I was able to heat treat him, and we had a. John's a great guy. Every time I'm with him, I always laugh, and he's just a swell, swell guy. And um, I was really grateful to him. And he just every time I forge with him, I always like pick something up or learn something, or I just he makes me want to be a better blacksmith, which is makes mm-hmm. it more fun. And then, um, nice. and then uh, I just worked on some projects, uh, some knives to finish. And then uh, yesterday, Saturday, I'm getting ready to go down to Florida to Doghouse Forge to teach a you know three days of classes and. I always like to, before I do any demoing or do any, you know, forging for a long period of time, I always like to kind of get back into it because, you know, this is a business, you know, I'm not forging every day. I, I, I'm doing so much stock removal that, it, you know, sometimes I kind of get a little rusty. So I always try like a week before I'm just to do anything is to just kind of forge every day a little bit. And yesterday I just ran through the entire three-day class in one day. So I forged a pair of tongs, I forged some friction folders, I forged a bottle opener. 
And then it was really about time management. So how do you heat treat and temper some knives and forge all these other things? So it was a lot of fun for me to kind of, you know, shake out the cobwebs and, and you know, get ready to go down to Florida. So Nice, nice. So this, this course you're doing, who will be taking the course? Are they complete newcomers to blacksmithing well, or is it like it? We, Jonathan calls them clinics, which I like because, I mean, mm. you know, he's, he's – he, we're – he when he approached me, he was teaching some knife. He teaches a lot of knife making clinics, and he approached me because he liked the idea that. And I said to this, you know, I, I when I was down there uh, in October, I said, I, I just, you know, I'm not, I don't really want to teach bladesmithing classes or knife making classes. I would rather teach like the fundamentals of blacksmithing. And so what I did was I kind of came up with a way to do blacks. But the problem is, and this is the problem with a lot of, and a problem. But it's like a lot of times when you take blacksmithing classes, the introductory classes can be the stuff you not not necessarily want. So how do you get people interested in blacksmithing and make something for especially for a beginner or someone who may never do it again to do something that they're going to like and bring home and use. So I kind of figured out a way to do tongs and, you know, you need a tongs. I sent you a pair of tongs. And if you're just a regular knife maker, you need a pair of tongs. It's like yeah. long pliers. So we'd forge that, and then everyone needs a bottle opener because, you know, you got to open a bottle somehow. And so we do that, and then we added to this one um, the friction folder class. So it's just a very simple, the simple he goes, um, friction folders, and um, one day for that. And he, he's got a good he's got a good group of people who take classes from him off, and they're always looking for something new. And, and um, he's just a good dude, man. He's, he's so, he's such a, he's so hospitable and it's just, it's a lot of fun. So I'm, I was, when he asked me to come back, I was just like, it didn't even have to think about it. It was just too much fun. Yeah. Nice. So they're going to come away with practical things to use as well. I like well, that. Really nice. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing is a lot of these blacksmithing classes, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm whispering for a reason because obviously no one's listening. They, they, they make like S hooks and it's the stuff that, you know, you go home and you show your wife, what'd you do today? Oh, I made these S-hooks. Oh, you paid 250 bucks for making the S-hooks. Oh, great. <laughs> you you got to like, you have to figure out ways in which to kind of like, in you know, get people fired up. And, and, and we know we talk about schools a lot because I, you know, personally think that it's important. But it's also, there's a lot of people who want to learn this stuff, but they don't necessarily want to keep going. You know, mm. like some people yeah, want to make yeah. a hammer or they want to make a knife or they want to make, but they don't want to have to do like, you know, a pile of S hooks first, you know? So it's all very interesting, but, and I'm very excited yeah. about that. So there we are. What else? Anything else this week? Anything else this week? Um, have we got a prick update, the sausage prick update? Anything going on there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was well received. <laughs> the, the sausage prick was well received and we're going to set up that. So a couple episodes ago, I said that I met with a couple butchers that came to my shop and they were, they do these, they were talking, they showed me this picture of this, you know, cheap knife that I guess they don't really make anymore. It's basically a, uh, a paring knife sized. And on the other end where your hand would, you know, on the other end, the opposite end, there'd be these three like needles. And the idea is that when you're making sausage, there is air in the force meat. The force meat goes into the, you know, down the machine through into, and it gets packed in the casing. There's air, and what you need to do is you need to pop those holes with thin thin pops because if the air holes are in while you're cooking, it just rips the casing. So they were using these things that they don't even make anymore because they're just too hard to make. I mean, they, they're, the needles are so thin that 
you know, you just, you break them or lose them or whatever. So I made uh, one for them and they were pumped. So, and then I got a couple messages. Some people want some sausage prick. So I, Tony actually named a better name than sausage prick. I, I dislike the name sausage prick. I don't even know what else you'd call it. I mean, even if you look on sausage prick on the internet, please don't, especially if you're under 18, you're, you're not going to really find something that, you know, so t- Tony called it the vampire. Because it, it's got like two fangs on the, uh, the, the two vamp, things, yes, yeah. The vamp, sausage vamp or something like that. I don't know. He came up with something good, so we'll figure something <laughs> out. Let, let's get on with some news. Now, our usual glamorous roving reporter isn't with us today. No. <clears throat> Miraculous still got his wind issues. So um, let's talk some news. First off, we're going to talk about Miraculous calendar. Um, you can go and get it by visiting his Instagram at Momassi Fire Arts. He does have a website, but it's it's slipped my mind at the moment. Go take a look, and I mean, big it's part of this Smith new and section Bard, is going to talk isn't about it? what's coming up. My bad, Smith and Bard. Yeah, I think it's smithandbard.com, maybe. Right. Yeah. So a big part of this news is when we talk about what's coming up. But if you've got one of those calendars, you'll be able to see in your shop. So go take a look on smithandbard.com. Um, I don't think it's smithandbar.com. Now I'm thinking. I'm thinking. My, my go through Mareko's. I'm starting to think I, we <laughs> fucked that one up. I, th- I think you got to go through his. If you go through his Instagram and then there's a link in his bio, you can go get one. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Um, again, we're going to talk about Tra- Travis Woods hammering, um, which is March 14th, 15th, and that's in Arizona. Lots of great presenters there, and that's um, Casa del Grande. I'm not sure if there are any places left, but go take a look at Travis Woods, and you'll be able to see. Um, may I add, Alex, may I add about that one real quick? If you want to sure. meet some good, real dudes, go to that event. Mike Quisenberry is going to be there. He is such a he's such a phenomenal teacher, and, and he's just an extraordinary knife maker. You're going to learn a pile if you go down to that. I definitely, if I could, I would, but I can't. Mm. So, sorry. Yeah. We've also got an update from our our, our zodiac murderer. Oh what, yeah. What so a few episodes ago, well, we didn't get an update about the murderer. We got, well, maybe we did. So a couple episodes ago, we talked to Professor Chris Cunningham. Uh, he is a professor down in Florida. And um, we talked about the Zodiac murders, which are, you know, happened in the 60s and the 70s. And then he he kind of contacted me and us because these guys don't have any idea about knives and we were trying to just kind of CSI the whole, what kind of knife it was just based on the description from the, if you go back and listen to that episode and blah, blah, blah. So we've cracked the case basically. Is that what you're saying? No, we we didn't crack the ah. case. My friend, (laughs) my friend inspector, we didn't crack anything. Um, So we basically, you know, it turns out if you listen to the next episode, Mareko and, and and Craig's wives scared the shit out of the both of them and then really basically <laughs> feared for their lives. So they clammed up. That's why the whole episode was like very short. I was like, oh, this is good. This is much shorter than I expected. That's because you guys chickened out your parent, your wives got you afraid and blah, blah, blah. So we had a good laugh. And then there was a joke that, you know, Jared Thatcher, you know, was had made a mention of the, that the Zodiac killer was most likely Chris Cunningham, Professor Cunningham which we had a laugh about. So I ended up getting an email from Chris, Chris Cunningham, Professor Cunningham. And he said, uh, thanks again for having me on the show. I've had several emails as far away as Australia and a lot of good suggestions. I listened up to the follow-up episode and it had me rolling. For the record, I can't (laughs) be the Zodiac. I was born six years after the last Zodiac crime, just to let you know. 
And then he says, I never heard uh, from that fellow. Oh, he then he said, do you have the idea? Do you have uh, any follow up from the guy who came up with the butcher case butcher knife suggestion? which I remember being Jared Thatcher. So he wanted hmm. to get information from Jared because we had made the point that Jared was, that Jared was very, he had, he had a little bit more understanding of that particular type of knife. Yeah. So I reached out to Jared and, um, well, before I said that, so then I wrote back, thanks for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for being a good sport. And then when, then Chris responded with, uh, when my wife heard on the podcast, she turned to me with a straight face and asked, well, well, what about couldn't the murderer be Professor Cunningham's wife? So she implicated herself <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. And then he obviously, you know, he made the joke and then he had to like immediately like circle back and say, oh, either way, just tell the, the, the Zodiac's likely dead if he is alive. I think that they could probably outrun an elderly man in a walker with a mask. Um, and then he was yeah. like, thanks for looking for the email because I said... I'm going to, I'll, I'll get a hold of Jared and I'll have him contact you. So here's where it gets funny. I sent a message to Jared. I sent a text to Jared. I don't have his email. And I said, Hey Jared, <clears throat> pardon me. Professor Cunningham wants to get a hold of you because he was interested in what you had to say in regards to the case butcher knife. Now the case butcher knife is an old knife that's on a wooden uh, scabbard that goes onto your belt, which a lot of mm. butchers I found out working with these butchers with the sausage prick, they have cases because <clears throat> I part pardon me, they have wear a lot of knives on their on their waist so they can you know they can move around and be more efficient. So it's not very uncommon. So when I sent a message to Jared, Jared said, Jared, um, Professor Cunningham wants to get a what's your email address so I can forward it to 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 Professor Cunningham, and Jared said. Oh, hell no. Jared wanted nothing to do with it. So he falls. He's running scared now, too. He fucking fell into the chicken category with you and Mareko. But Jared, tough old Jared, boot hill blades. He got a, he, hell no, I don't want anything to do with this. And so, so Jared, just to let you know, I gave him your telephone number. So no need to get back. And Chris Cunningham's wife is after you. Don't now. worry. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Professor Cunningham's wife will be in touch with you. Don't worry. So uh, it was brilliant. fun. Yeah. It was a, it was a funny little thing. Um, and then the lastly, uh, speaking of people reaching out, you know, we get a lot of people to reach out uh, who listen to the podcast. And, and, and uh, last week we had Will Stelter on, who was awesome. And we had a uh, we had a question in regards to when you're heat treating a knife, how can you bring your oven down low enough? And then when you start to temper, when you start to turn back on the oven to, to go to a lower temperature temper, how do you make sure that the oven doesn't overshoot your your temperature? And we were yeah. talking about um, that the bricks in the in your oven are going to retain a lot of heat. Blah 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 blah. So Will had said that what he does is he does when he sets the schedule for the oven. When he drops it down below whatever two hundred degrees, and then he restarts it for four hundred degrees, he says he makes it go very slow. So Spence from Even Heat, gotta love those guys. Spence and and Mike and Quinn, they're just such great guys. Um, Spence reached out to me and he goes, "I listened to the episode and you were perfect. It was exactly right." He said, "If you slow down your ramp rate, you will not overshoot." the the oven she's like, well, how you guys handle it was perfect and then he said i like to say it like this and he says cracking the door too i was i suggested what i do is i crack the door and he says that's another good thing to do 
But he made this analogy that was really interesting. He said to me, he's like, imagine having a sports car. He mentioned some you know special sport i don't know anything about cars he's like imagine you know shelby you know gt whatever i was like "Eh, you already lost me but fine so you don't want to just you don't want to just hit the gas pedal to get to your temp your your speed if you hit the gas pedal full blast you're going to overshoot the speed that you're looking for but if you slowly slowly feather the pedal and slowly slowly feather the pedal you'll you'll get to the temperature that you the speed that you want he's that was a really great analogy that i never even really thought of but it's the idea that you, when you're trying to get back that uh, tempering temperature, you want to go real slow. So he was super mm-hmm. cool. He loves the podcast. He's such a, even he's such a great sponsor for us. And and I just wanted to let him let you guys know that he did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gearing up for two weeks of every day heat treat at the moment. So yeah, I've got the even heat with me over here in the UK, and that's going to be put right to its paces. Well, what... But yeah, I'll certainly be using that for you know for calming things down ready for tempering because i'm hoping to do you know a sec a, a set each day you know five knives a day until they're all done so what's days. your plan what's your plan i'm interested in what your plan is for for doing 100 knives how are you going to heat treat and temper them all what are your what's your plan and it doesn't matter how you... five a day so when the kids go to bed i do five let them temper overnight and then the next day when the kids go to bed i can do another five and just do it every day until i get through the hundred huh that's a good idea yeah, I think it's, it's. I think it's the only way, really. Um, I don't really want to do more than five at once. Yeah. Um, and you know the fact that you know once they're tempered, the even heat will just you know t- turn off the heat, and I can just leave them in overnight anyway. That's that's completely fine. So, I think that's the only way to do right. it. So, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of work. It's uh, well, well it's hundred knives, five a day. That's twenty, isn't it? So twenty days, nearly three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you know. Getting under the t- it's not much time, is it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like, I, even heat sorts it for me. That's one thing about the the ovens that I like the most is, and I don't know if they want me to say this, but I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll temper a, a knife and then I'll leave, <laughs> you know, and then it, I know that once it's done, it mm. just turns off. I don't know if that's a, I don't know, maybe that's not something you should yeah. be doing. I don't know. I can't see why not. All right. Just, well, you're not you're not exceeding the temperature. You're you're dropping the temperature slowly. I, I don't know. Don't know. Um, We've got an omission to make. So um, a few episodes ago, I said that Blade Show UK is is run by the British Society of Cutlers. Leave them alone. It's nothing to do with them. Um, That's it. That's all I've got to say. That's my due diligence done. All right. Shall we move on? Please. (laughs) Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! You know, it's been really good to see so many people doing that as well and sort of tagging us and tagging combat when they're getting their discounts. So if you're using any of our discount codes, tag us, let us know. We'd like to see them working. One, somebody snuck... What? Sorry. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) snuck into my DMs and said, do you know that uh, combat uh, KNIFETALK10 doesn't even work? I was like, "Yeah, dummy! It's Knife Talk 15. Here's your fi- here's your extra five percent. Live a little, live a little. <laughs> exactly. I'm just kidding. I didn't exactly. say dummy. And you call him a dummy. An extra right? bonus. There you go. I didn't call him. A dummy. Why do you build along? So good. <laughs> I love that. So we're at the end of the build along. I I opted out very quickly <laughs> after, <laughs> after stage two, but a lot of you haven't. A lot of you have kept on and. Um, 
we're seeing lots and lots of finished blades now, which is really nice. So for those who don't know, we started a build along probably three, four weeks ago um, with a new sponsor of ours, which is Knife Print. Um, KnifePrint.com is amazing. You can go there. It's like a 2D CAD program where you don't have to install anything. It's all done in a browser. You can design knives beautifully, make amendments and so on. Print them out the paper or you can print them out to steel and they'll laser laser cut a blank and they'll put it in the post to you and you get you get your prototype knife, which is incredible. So a lot of people have been doing that. I think over 100 people now, if you look at the knife tag BA um, hashtag. Wow. Seeing some really nice finished knives. Lots of people, it's their first knife as well. So it's been really nice to see. Quite a few people have been making videos for their build along. It's just been really, really nice. So if you haven't done the build along, it's not too late. Head on over to knifeprint.com. In the um, show notes for this, we'll have a link to the design that I designed, which everybody is sort of using, and you can make amendments to that and so on. Um, join along with us. Use the, use the hashtag KnifeTalkBA. Um, and even if you haven't done it, just just search on Instagram, KnifeTalkBA, and see what people have done, because some people's work has just been exceptional, exceptional. And it's been really, really nice to see that there's all these people out there with, with very similar knives, and they're all listeners of the show. So thank you all so much for contributing. And remember, if you want to use KnifePrint.com, it's completely free. But if you do want the pro account, which gives you unlimited saves, and you actually get discounts on your... Um, on the on the knife orders that you make as well. You can use Knife Talk 10 to get 10% off the pro membership as well. Mine's going terribly. Really? Yeah. Have you given up? No, I haven't given up. It's just like, I mean, I, I'm going to end up with a pile of knives at the end of this goddamn thing. I redid the first one because I didn't like the way it felt in my hand. And then I, I liked the second one so much that I actually templated it for a future. I just changed the handle. I used... I used you know, some of my old templates and kind of made some modifications. And I was like, ah, oh, I like this mm. one. And then I suck at a Scandi grind. I've gotten so much better at, at freehanding, but like, I mean, it was like trimming your sideburns. I go one side mm. and then the other one and the other one. And the next thing you know, I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I got a flat grind. It was, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go. I haven't done the, pardon me. Sorry, I haven't done the grinding on mine yet, but, um, when I do, I think I'm just going to use a jig. Um, just just to make sure, because I don't do a scanty grind every day. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I did one, so I think I'll use a jig because you're not taking that much off anyway. But I just want to be completely uniform. Yeah. Um, and I've got to say that one of our listeners reached out to me last week or maybe the week before, um, and they're going to send me something beautiful. So they're going to send me a, a jig that's actually got a file guide in it. Huh. Um, which is great because I've got a jig, but it, if I want to use a file guide with it, it's just awkward and yeah. it's just really cumbersome. So um, I'll do a mini review of that, I think, next or when I get it. I'll, I'll do a mini review of it because I think a lot of people would be interested in a in a jig that also has a built-in file guide. Because well, I love my file. I use the Bill Benke file right. guide. I love it. But it doesn't really work so well with my with my um, jig. jig. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't use jigs, but, you know, whatever. I do sometimes. and. So, yeah, so that would be cool. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things. If you're not doing a Scandi grind regularly, when you do come to it, it's, it's just it's much more of a heavier angle than what I'm used to doing. Well, for me, it's the transition between the flats and the bevel. That's the problem. Like, I don't mm. like the transitions. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to leave the the flat part of the blade just whatever the heat treating was. And then I just wanted to grind in the grind. And I oh, just didn't okay. like... Yeah. I just didn't like, even I was going different belts, I was going different, you know, grits, and I was just trying, I couldn't get a transition that I actually liked. 
So this goddamn thing turned into a flat ground the whole way. It's going to be fine, but I got like really irritated. But honestly, uh, with the exception of when I'm doing production stuff, I ne- I, I don't use jigs anymore, which is great, mm. which is, it's, it feels good. I actually, ch- I turn my platen at a very s- steep angle, almost like if you're using a, um, almost if you were using like whetstones. And I don't, mm. I don't look straight because it makes my neck not go straight down. Like if you're, if you're, if you're, grinding on um where, where the platen is facing you at 90 degrees from where the work table would be you know you're craning your neck down but if you yeah. radius your platen you put your platen at a very tight radius so it's almost like 45 degrees from you know from where you're standing like facing up almost like a whetstone mm-hmm. you're in a better position and I, I just i've been doing that a lot more and it's making my life a lot easier but all the if I use car- carbon steel, all the sparks are shooting into my my uh, my apron. Hmm. I burn up my aprons. So <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But anyway, that, sh- great. Shall we move on to the meat of the show? Please. Hey man, can I ask you a question? All right, this is the time where you, the listener, gets gets to ask questions, and we try to answer them. I mean, we're one man down, so we'll see what we're. I mean, we ain't going to be talking about mosaic. Damascus, that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure, one hundred percent. You, I will not tell you anything about the mosaic Damascus. I don't, I don't get it. So, <clears throat> if you go to Insta- on Instagram, if you go to Knife Talk Podcast, and then you you can DM us your questions. That's the best place. Some of you guys DM us like directly to our personal email, our personal accounts. If you go to Knife Talk Podcast and d- DM us your questions there. If we haven't done them over and over and again, we'll, we'll probably put them up. So the first question comes from Nikost, 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 ninety five. Maybe. What do you think it is? Nikost, maybe. Nikost yeah, ninety five. Is it is it important um, how many wheels a belt grinder has? Really thinking about this for days. Ha ha. So. Mm. Um. I th- I think. You're obviously going to need one at the top and one at the bottom of your platen. Right. Um, and, I mean, we have that sort of third wheel on the top. There's right. obviously a drive wheel as well right. attached to the motor. But you have that third wheel on the top for tensioning, really. So you'll generally have a spring or a gas strut to make sure that the belt is always tensioned. So I think that's always going to be needed. Otherwise, you're going to have some issues with tracking. Right. Because if the belt isn't tight enough, it's going to be slip and sliding left and right. Right. Um, I haven't really seen any variations on that. Any any design I've seen has gone with that sort of four wheels. Um, I know sometimes when people do like small wheel attachments, they'll add extra wheels to, to, to again to give it more of a um, help with the tracking. Mm. But but um, I can't see how you get away with less than that. I, for example, I have seen the two. I think Grizzly. It's a company in I don't know somewhere in the United States or Canada. They sell. Mm. Uh, they have a two wheel. A two wheel grinder, so is it, so you're basically your 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 giant wheel is at the bottom where it's detached. Is that the motor. that big big upright thing? Yeah, so it's really tall. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's interesting in regards to and in regards to this. I mean, I'm not, I don't really know. I don't, I've never built my own grinders, but I can tell you what happens with some of my grinders. If your if your shit is too tight, or you're using like a Scotch Bright wheel, you can bind up the grinders. And and one of the things is I think a lot of it has to do with um, the ball bearings. Like I try to change my ball bearings up when things aren't like spinning real nice. Every so often the ball bearings and the wheels. But like mm. if your shit is too tight and it's hard for the wheel to kind of turn <clears throat> everything, like if something's bound up. One time I had the um, I 
didn't this is a couple years ago i didn't put the platen on right and the bottom of the platen was like riding against the bottom wheel of the platen uh wheel mm. and it was like it wouldn't move and i was like what is going on and i was like oh yeah we basically put a you know wedge in the wheel the more wheels you have i'm sure it makes it a lot easier i think the kind of motor you have um there are a lot of companies that make a lot of you know a lot of wheels. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, <laughs> you know, you know, Mareko, this would be Mareko. Oh, you know, he, let's just say that, let's just say that if Mareko was here, he'd have the right answer. And then we'll go on <laughs> to the next question. So I, I think many people do a very similar design and that's because the design works. Right. I think there's no, there's no point in trying to play with that really. It just works. Well, I mean, if you, if you, if you think about it is you got the drive wheel and then like you said, you have the, the top wheel that, that adjusts the tracking. And then the other wheels, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, it can mean, a, you know, if you have a contact wheel instead of a platen, you know, you'll have three wheels instead of four. Mm. So there we are. I would think it's, there we go. but you can, with a lot of these two by 72 grinders, you can use, like I once got uh, belts um, from a company that was selling in millimeters and they weren't exactly, you know, two by 72, but because it's adjustable platen, I could make them happen. So. Yeah, exactly. So here in the UK, we generally in the in Europe rather, you generally get fifty mil by two thousand mil. Right. So it's not an exact translation, but you know, with the with the with the slacking you can do, and you can pull up the platen a bit further, that it'll work. So yeah, there we are. There we go. Um, the next one is from um, I think it's Dabby Alex. Hey dudes, I'm not trying to go full time at all, but the pile of knives on my shop is getting a, a tad large. So he says, aside from Etsy, Instagram, and Shokinen, what other ways can I start selling these things? Or Shokinen, sorry. Shokinen. Um, what other ways can I start selling these things? Well, what do you think? A website. Yeah. Jeez. Um, and I think more so a website than than the likes of Instagram and Etsy because it, it gives you the chance to to sort of tell your story and, and you know, set your own sort of narrative for what you're doing. Whereas with Instagram, it's... You know, it's just a picture, and I'm I'm finding that I'm using Instagram less and less, and and using my 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 personal website right. to uh, tell the story a little bit more. Um, and it's you know they're cheap. A website is cheap, and you don't need to be a, a web designer or you know know any sort of code now, right. because you know with the likes of you know whether it's Squarespace or Wix or or one of these sort of build it sites, it's it's simply drag and drop. And I've got twenty years as a web developer behind me. But I, I'm using um, a Squarespace site now just because it's simple and I can get things up quickly. Right. Um, and they all come with stores. And, I mean, they take such such a little from a sale. I mean, the actual website itself doesn't, so Squarespace doesn't, but the, the credit card providers that you'd use, and it's all built into the system anyway, they take you know, a very small percentage. So, um, yeah, I'd say go with something like that. It gives, it gives you a bit more... Um, professionalism i suppose if somebody's looking to buy a knife um you know seo purposes people can can stumble across your knives as opposed to you know having to follow you on instagram or whatever and just just take take control yourself it's it's something that you can do it's quite easy um i mean jeff i mean i think you use squarespace as well don't you yeah we they're, do. they're not sponsors by the way no we're no, not no. sponsored by like everybody else sponsored by squarespace we're not well it, it, it's interesting you bring it up because we originally had i had a friend create our website but like it got to the point where when we went to make changes you know this person didn't really want to like you know, fucking you know, pile of changes and it really it was a, it was wasn't it costing us business but it was like making it very difficult for us to operate so yeah. tony 
who'd never done a website before did the website through Squarespace and, and it, it's great. One thing is interesting about this question is, and we've talked about it like a year ago or so, is we've, my business, Fader Knives has changed a bit because we're trying to put more stuff on the website so there's not as much interaction. And what happens is, is I think that you got to start to think of like social media as like, I use the, um, the term, you know, I use the analogy that it's like uh, fishing and, you know, the, the, the lure is what brings the fish in, but the net's what brings them in. And I always think that social media is like your public relations platform, but it should lead you to your website. You know, one of the things that... <clears throat> pardon me, that we've been doing lately that, <clears throat> sorry, ah, sorry about that. So one thing we've been doing lately is we've been doing more stuff to put on directly with all the information. So you can go on our website and buy it direct. And that has taken away a lot of the DMs and the back and forth and the information and the hope and everything like that. So like I have put on all these, um, I made these forged steak turners and, you know, I try to do some like less expensive um, kind of forged stuff. And Tony said to me, he said, don't talk about them because I want to see what happens, you know, casual, you know, casually. So if people come to my website, they see a picture on Instagram, they go to the website and they can browse. I'm like, oh, it's, I, I could use that for a present or whatever. We're getting a lot more passive sales because we have a website as opposed to, I sent you a DM in the summer and you didn't respond. Blah, 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 blah. You got something up there, people ready to, you know, and you're ready to ship. It's great. It's super great. Yeah. I'm 100% with you. And whether you're using Squarespace, Shopify, or Wix or whatever, use that as your sort of CRM as well. What's that because mean, CRM? I'm not even sure what. Customer something. Oh. Some, customer something management. But anyway, it, it'll have all your customer details, any previous orders you've had. It'll have their addresses. It'll have everything there. They'll generally be signed up to your newsletter as soon as they order a product. So you've got this newsletter sitting there of you know of past customers who I assume like your work, and when you've got something new, you can send out a you know, a newsletter because this is generally part of all these systems now. They've all got everything integrated into one. So yeah, go take a look. It's it's cheap. You don't have to be computer savvy. If you can drag and drop stuff, you can use them. And most of the platforms work in very similar ways. But but yeah, take control yourself. Don't let Instagram. You know, control your business really, because I think over time we're going to see less and less control we'll have you know if they decide to pull the plug and you're not allowed to have a, a url or a, a web address in your bio anymore we're all fucked but this is also so, a business thing no matter what you're using in regards to um you know social media you have to see the social media is drawing drawing people to what you're what you have they're drawing you to the pot yeah. make sure you got a pot that people can get from you know um don't you know that's the that's the thing a lot of times people post you know, Tony gets mad at me if I post about something that I haven't, that we're going to do and haven't done yet. He's just like, you're, you're losing business. When you, when you don't have it all squared away, if you don't have it up on the website, you're going to lose the potential customers because you're fooling around. So like, I get a lot of, I get a lot of those kind of messages. So you know, use, use the social media as, or Shaconan or whatever, all those things as your, as your advertising. And then make sure you have what you're selling ready to go. Yeah. Whoa. The next one comes from Jaybird Knives. Hey cuties, looking for my looking for the best option to spend my tax return. For almost the same money, I can get a disc grinder with a variable speed slash reverse or a surface grinder attachment for two by seventy-two. 
What do you feel is the best overall choice? Thanks for the great podcast. Mm. What do you think? Get nice to have money to spend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pay your taxes first. <laughs> well, he um, did. He said he, he said he get a tax return. Yeah. As a return. Holding yeah. on to the taxes yeah. to buy something, he's going to get a tax return. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's going to depend on, on what you do. If you do stock removal, you're not really going to need a surface grinder because if you're buying decent stock, it's, it's just simply not needed. Um, if you're forging stuff down yourself, um, maybe a surface grinder would be where you want to go. Um, I don't know. It, it depends on the way you work, I suppose. I don't, I don't think neither are absolutely necessary, but if, if you're after something, um, personally, because I don't forge, um, I'd be going with a disc grinder, and it's something I bought, I bought quite recently. I can't oh. see myself needing a surface grinder at any point. Well, bringing back to why I suck at Scandi grinds, there are a lot of guys, Josh Scott Knives, I think Pariah Knives, uh, a few other guys who use uh, a surface grinder, something similar to kind of clean up the flats of the knives. So there's a lot of guys from milling machines. I know uh, my buddy built sharp, Adam built sharp, Adam and Jackie at built sharp. They use, they use kind of some sort of surface grinding attachment to kind of flatten the, the flatten everything or, you know, change their dimension. So there are some dudes who use it. Surface grinders are great for, I mean, I don't have one uh, hoping, you know, at some point I'll get one. I would imagine for like doing Damascus and stuff like that to get your transitions flat and take off that scale. would be great. But I get so much use out of my disc grinder. I cannot, I can't tell you. And it's, it's just probably my of one of my favorite pieces of equipment because not only does it flatten your blades, but for when you're profiling your handles, sometimes you just roll it around and then it's all ready to go. It's great. I, I would totally get a disc grinder, especially if you do a lot of hand sanding. Because I mean, a disc grinder don't work if you know if you don't have a, you know, if you're on hand sanding. Because I mean, you're not going to make a, you know, the I don't know that many people except for like Wustoff who use, you know, off the disc grinding finish, you know. Mm. So. Okay. <clears throat> Pardon me. The next one, I don't know who the next question is from actually. Right. Um, it's just, um, hey guys, can I ask you a question? On a full tang knife, how far in from either end of the scales do you put your pins? So it's half inch or three quarter inch or whatever. Um, is this more of an aesthetic thing than a strength thing? That's from Jaybird um, Knives too. I I should have. That's from Jaybird Knives too, right? Okay. You got you got the two for Jaybird. Congratulations. That's a hard thing to get. <laughs> um, for me, it's completely an aesthetic thing. Um, you know, as long as you're not ridiculous and you put your pin, you know, three inches away from any of your ends, um, you, you're going to be good. But I generally eyeball them and make a mark um, first, and then I'll get the calipers out and just you know just make sure everything's you know all all sort of matching either side. Um, but if you've got a big curve on your handle, um, what, I, what I hate seeing people doing is lining up those pins so they're perfectly up on the horizontal. Um, but oh, if there's a curve, yeah. they don't take that into account and it, it just looks weird at the back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, eyeball it first to see what you think looks right and then make adjustments, you know, with, with calipers and so on to get, you know, exactly where you want it to be. Um, but yeah, I think it's mainly an aesthetic thing, unless you're doing some crazy design where, you, as I say, your pins are way out, way out from the edges. I love that look. I'm too terrified to do that look where you do pins on the very like, you know, like a eighth inch from the edge. I am that is just terrifying mm. to me. I I love yeah. it. I love the way it looks. I'm just a chicken, a total chicken. Mm. I like it when people do really small pins. They'll put two small pins very close to the edge. 
yeah. as opposed to, you know, one one big. And again, I've never done that, but um, it can look really nice, especially on like a really dark handle material if they're using brass yeah. or something. It can look really, yeah, really nice. Yeah, those little pins look great. I, I do them not very often anymore, but I used to do two pins at the top of a bolster with a two-tone bolster. But um, I, you know, when I put my Corbys in and I use Corbys, I... I I'll never switch to pins because I've actually had knives. Uh, I've seen. I was at a friend's house over Christmas, and I, and I saw they had a knife that I made like five years, six years ago, and they put the fucker through the dishwasher. But and and I got mad. At, I saw the only reason why I saw it. It was in their knife block, and I saw daylight. I saw daylight between the handle and the blade. I said, "What is going on with this knife?" And it was all pins. It was all eighth inch pins, sixteenth inch pins holding it together, and it. And it wasn't stabilized wood, and it was, you know, one of the early ones. It just, you know, it, it was, it looked terrible. I was like, I'm taking this knife, I'm changing it, I'm fixing it. So I, <laughs> I'm now, and I cut it open so I could put some Corbys in and stuff like that. And I just like, I just don't like the, I like the fact that Corbys are just like a, it's like, you're not going to have any problems with it. If you get your Corbys in right, if you bolt them in right with, um, you know, don't use the Corbys as the vice. That's the one thing that people think that, you know, you just crank down on the Corbys and it's, it's, um, that's what cranks it down. And that's not what it cranks it down. I learned in a metal shop a long time ago, when you're cinching something down with a bolt, use a clamp and then tighten yeah. up your bolts to, to meet the clamp. And then when you undo the clamp, that's what, that's, that's what you do. So I'm a big fan of the Corby bolts. And in regards to placement, I'm all over the place. Sometimes I, I, I eyeball it and see how it looks. And then sometimes I like it like, you know, I like the three quarter on the front and the three quarter on the back, but I don't really, I'm, I, I should, I should use a caliper. I don't really do that. Yeah. Or, you know, if, if you're getting them laser cut, like I do with a lot of my knives, um, if you're using any sort of CAD program oh, yeah. and recommend knifeprint.com, you know, you, you can get those measurements exactly right each time. So yeah. Good one. Go. Good one. Craig, good yeah. one. The next one comes from Kingsford Knives. Kingsford Knives. Hey, cuties. Well, cuties comes from a long time ago where, where somebody, you know, slipped into someone's DMs and said, hey, cutie. And it was like some sort of porn bot or something like that. And for some reason, everyone keeps doing it. I've been asked to do a 90-minute 90 presentation at the Australian Blade Symposium this year. Congratulations. I think I remember Craig used to do some speaking, Jeff has done some teaching, and Mareko is always informative. Any tips on how to get through it without putting people to sleep? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, all of my, you know, speaking, I used to do a lot of conferences around Europe and, and around the world, actually, outside Europe too. But um, it was all to do with web design rather than what I do now. And this was, you know, 10 years ago plus. Um, the main thing is, is plan it out. It's as if you're writing a book, you need to start, you need a, you know, an end, and you need some ups and downs in the middle as well. You know, you want to be monotone for 90 minutes. That would be hell. And if you're using a screen, um, don't put every single point on, on a presentation because that's just like death by PowerPoint. Right. It's the worst thing ever. So you want things up there that are reminders for you. So you don't want to be reading from a script. You, you, want, to, you want to know, you know, what you want to talk about in your head. Um, and so the pointers that you can have on the screen are basically directions for you. You need to go in this direction next, you know. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I can't really give any more any more than that, really. But you know, keep it informative. You know, you want your ups and downs. You know, you want to 
change the volume of your voice quite regularly too to hammer home points. Um, and that's I sound really boring saying this now. But, uh, <laughs> well, well, yeah, maybe we should throw in a few dick jokes. Maybe, maybe the odd dick joke would go down well at the Australian Blades oh, Symposium, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know what those Aussies are they like? They love Jeez, to yeah. curse. They love it. They love to curse. <laughs> I, 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 I've started to enjoy public speaking for this reason. I like the discipline. I like the discipline in everything in terms of like time management and organization. I never do. I never wing anything anymore. I never wing anything mm. anymore. And I think that. What happens is if you are really, really comfortable with what you're saying and super, super comfortable, you'll actually enjoy it. And if you're out there enjoying it, you're probably going to other people can enjoy it, too. The other thing I would suggest is try to be a little nuanced in your thinking. Don't just regurgitate what other people hear. I think that what happens with a lot of people uh, when they speak is I think that they're so used to these canned expressions or canned you know, thoughts that they're just like you. I think that the listener is subconsciously gets tired from hearing the same fucking thing every time. So try to be a little nuanced. Maybe come up with um, some you know new analogies to kind of get your point across. Um, be natural and enjoy yourself, and just try to be as organized as possible. And if you enjoy yourself, I think other people will too. Um, and you know. I, I also like to say that, you know, talk to people like they don't know what you're talking about. It's trying to figure out ways in which, you know, don't, don't take, don't think that they know what you're talking about. So try to be as, that's why on this podcast, I try to do a lot of like, I go back and try to reset some things just so we're, you know, just so if this is the first time you're hearing it, you kind of understand where we're going. Fine. Yeah. Light, light and shade. I'd say that was the most important bit. What, keep people away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want to just try to be a little bit humorous, but not like don't do like the dumb joke. Like, do your speech and to someone who you know maybe not know doesn't know what you're talking about, and then just you know throw in an anecdote. Anecdotes are always good. This time, I like this knife, I broke it in two, and then you know, do a good anecdote. There we go. We didn't, didn't help go. him at all. Didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, D Rothstein three six one four. Um, can I ask Craig a question? Okay. Um, I was chatting with my mom, who is a history teacher, and we were wondering how or is Brexit going to affect your business moving forward? Um, it will, um, but not quite yet. So, <laughs> I mean, we we've gone past that date now. So Brexit has officially happened, um, but where we're now in the in a sort of a crossover point where. Everything is still abiding by EU law um, for the next year, simply because the British government haven't done anything. Without getting too political, right. they haven't done anything. Um, so at the moment, everything is as was. Um, but the the French government, so for those who don't know, I'm a Brit who now lives in France. Um, the French government have put forward these plans of basically we'll have to apply for the residency each year. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not too difficult to, to, to gain residency. You need to um, earn a certain amount per family um, and, and obviously pay your taxes, that kind of thing. So we will qualify each year, but I just hate that uncertainty of having to apply to live in the live right. somewhere where I'm living already and where I have a family and where my, my kids were born. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to get political about what I think, you know, right. Brexit was all about. But... Um, the short answer is it hasn't affected me yet, but um, it will affect me in the long term. Um, I think with suppliers as well, I've, I get a lot of supplies from 
um, outside of France. Um, and I, I spend a lot of time in the UK as well. So a lot of the stuff I get shipped to the UK and that's going to be a hell of a lot different, getting stuff into the UK from outside of, um, of the British Isles. Hmm. Um, but at the moment, things are as they were. Right. But there's just a lot of uncertainty going forward. Huh. Well, you know, obviously, we, with the fact that you live in France, I hope it doesn't become too much of an issue. But it sounds like uh, you guys are just going day by day in regards to this. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, the French government, they haven't really said too much. Um, but they'll probably follow suit of what the British government do um, with regards to, you know, um, Brits living in France and French living within the UK. I'd imagine things are going to be similar. But I mean, we live in a in a very sort of rural part where there's a lot of Brits. We live in the Dordogne, which um, a lot of Brits when they move abroad, they move to the Dordogne because it's it's not too far. It's sunnier, um, and there's a lot of English speakers there. So a lot of these rural vill- villages would basically have to shut down if 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 you know the Brits are all banished right. and they were told to to go back home because that's that's what's supporting their economy hmm. um you know what it's very different to you know the big cities you know paris for example is is a is a million miles away from where i uh, from where I live um but yeah it's just that uncertainty which is it's a bit of a bother, but there's nothing I can do at the moment about it, so we we just carry on as normal well, it sounds like a very abrasive situation. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very uh, um, it puts people within two camps as well. Uh-huh. Um, even even the Brits that are living in France, you know, either everybody's either pro or against Brexit, um, and there's not much of a grey area. You do that one or the other, and you're forced into a camp, and it's you know nothing as simple as black and white. But um, there we go, there we go. Well, that seems very abrasive, and. You know, if you're gonna use abrasives, and you're gonna be, ab- oh! and you're gonna be abrasive, you might as well use the best abrasives possible. I would use Indasi USA Rhinoet for all my abrasions and abrasives, my my paper. And you know what you can do is you go to Texas Ferry Supply, and you put in Knife Talk Ten, they'll give you ten percent off all your order if you, especially if you get that abrasive, the abrasive paper. So if you're in a situation where it's abrasive, might as well use the best. In Dossie USA, Knife Talk 10, Texas Various Supply, good luck. I salute you, sir. That was the best yet. Well, I thought you were going to catch on when I said, that sounds abrasive. And then I, I, thought, and then I, thought, and then I thought, oh, my God, I'm being so insensitive to him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to squeeze in a fucking sandpaper commercial. That's what you get. That's what you get. <laughs> Uh, right, Tim Land, Tim Landini knives um, says, "What sizes and styles of knives would you guys make for a set of kitchen knives?" Being asked to make a set and not too sure what to make, um, I'm not planning on filling a knife block, but as a starting set, what would your go tos be? I I love this story because I'm actually I, funny enough is I'm doing a a, a knife sharpening event with uh, my old boss and friend Charlie Palmer, and. Uh, Tony and I were talking about it. I was just like, you know what? I should just make a giant set. I should make a huge set, and it should be the ultimate set. And and we're and so I I put in a butcher, a, three types of butcher knives, and an oyster knife, and a nine inch chef's knife, and an eight inch chef's knife, and all this. And the funny part was we were trying to figure out what we we're going to call it. We we're going to call a set, and we're going to start doing. We'll do it, and it'll be like a 
you know, a 10 piece set that we'll offer. It's going to take you six months again. It just, mm. you know, whatever. And we we're trying to figure out the name for it. And the only thing I could come up with for a name was, I was thinking of something grand. And the only thing grand I could come up with was the grand mall. M-A-L. You know what the, a grand mall, the grand, we're going to call this Fader Knives, the grand mall. Do you know what a grand mall is? It's no, a fucking stroke. No. It's the type of stroke you get. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so tony and i are talking about the grand mall the grand mall and i'm like maybe we should stop calling it the grand mall because that's a kind of stroke oh jesus christ so uh, a set. let me think um yeah what do i use the majority of it's going to be a a standard sort of chef knife with the sort of eight inch blade um maybe a five inch paring knife uh, maybe a serrated knife, and you know that ninety-eight percent of the time I'm using one of those knives. Right. Um, anything further, I think it's going to depend on if, you know if this is a custom set. It's going to depend on the person. You know if they do you know some butchering, they may want a cleaver, that kind yeah. of thing. But um, I think if you start with those three knives, that's that's going to be a decent set for anybody. That's a good set. When I did the Epicurious video and we, we, I was writing it for them, I wanted to pick the four knives that you could use the best, you know, that would be the most helpful in the kitchen. It was a, a chef's knife, um, a serrated knife, a boning knife, and a paring knife. Those are like, that's what you get the most out of. That's what you get the most out of. Um, I kind of go between, I, if I were to pick a, pick a five, yeah, I mean, I would go with that. I, I I, I, you know, what's the funny thing is, is I make a lot of nine inch chef knives, but I'm using at home eight inch chef knives. And I think yeah. you just mentioned that. I think that especially for the home cook, you're not shooting off the side of the, shooting off the side of your cutting board. I think they're uh, great. I love an offset serrated knife. That's just me. Pairing knife. I don't even really, use, I mean, I don't do a lot of, I don't do a lot of boning. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I'm not. What what size boner would you be using, Jeff? Is a six incher? What I, when I boner first started have? making boners, where I started out making seven inch boner, but it's almost like too much knife. It's like too much fucking bone. You know, it's just like uh, a six inch boner is really is perfect. You know, it's perfect. Perfect. There we Spatch go. cocking a juicy bird. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> But I don't know. Oh, we're like, we're like, kids. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus. you know, now the wheels are off and, you know, Mrs. Stelter ain't listening to this one and fine, <laughs> fine. But, um, but you know, I'm, I'm currently in this Airbnb in London. Um, and it, you know, it's fully stocked with everything we need. Um, but in the kitchen, there was, uh, well, first of all, there was, there was no cutting board. They had bloody glass plate, you know, the, the glass boards <laughs> yeah. that, that they're there for pastry. Right. Why people buy them? As a chopping yeah. board, I don't know, because so every knife is completely dull in the drawer. So I had to go out and sort of buy um, something that I could use because I don't have any of my knives with me. Um, but um, the one thing that we we really struggled with this week, and we've been out shopping to try and get one, and we, we haven't been able to find one yet, is is a speed peeler. Oh yeah. So if I if I was to put together like a if I was a chef and I needed some sort of you know portable um, knife bag with stuff that I'd need on an everyday. It would be those three things. It would be a eight inch knife, a paring knife, a serrated knife, and a speed right. peeler. That would be next. But I've, I've yet to see anybody make a speed peeler. They're so cheap to buy anyway, but it'd be cool to see, to see somebody now, make Now, when one. you're talking about a speed peeler, you're talking about when you're holding it in your hands, the blade is, you know, it's not like a knife, right? It's, 
you know, those peelers, the old school ones when I was a kid, my mom had one. It looked like it was the profile of a knife and then the peeler was, you know, face. Oh, I see. No, I mean that they, they're almost like a catapult. The blade is across the right. Like, like a, oh, like now. a slingshot. It looks like a slingshot. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Those are, those are dynamite. There's a challenge for somebody. See if you can come up with one of them. That would be a good challenge for the blacksmith's pub. Get those, you can get you, you know, J- Jesse and Rick. I know you're poaching our shit. So you can, <laughs> you could do a, like a forge peeler. Speed peeler yeah, builder. You know, sponsored by the blacksmith's pub, not by us. We've done enough. We did enough for you people. Yeah. I like that. I like that very much. Racer oh, Rack. Yeah, my man, Eric. Let's come up with another Eric one. Rules. Can I ask you a question? I know you all talk much about quench oil temps and techniques. How much hotter than the recommended 120 Fahrenheit is too hot? At around 163, I tried placing the oil quench tank in a bucket of cool water and was surprised it didn't cool down the oil at all, but seemed to hold it from fluctuating. He says, thanks a ton for the shows. Hmm. I, you know, it's interesting because I have, I started out with, um, when I was with uh, John Ledford at uh, Hudson River Ironworks, we got a bucket of Parks 50, a five gallon bucket of Parks 50. It took a long time for it to cool down. And, and it's because yeah. of such a vast amount. And, and I've noticed that with the small, when I made some smaller quench tanks that fit like a gallon of oil, they cool down much faster because there's not much more for the, there, there to be uh, the heat. The heat doesn't, you know, it's it's a smaller thing in the shop. Um, it's obviously you want to work within the confines of the of what the oil specifications are. You know, I'm very conscious of that because you know, all of a sudden, if it's too hot from you know you quench five or six knives, and all of a sudden your oil is over, that's when you're you know, the, there's I guess less vis- more viscosity or less viscosity. Uh, you guys are going to beat the shit out of me for that one, but yeah. it's thinner. One of them. The hotter it is, it's thinner. Yeah. And then the thinner it gets, it's closer to being water. So you got to be real careful. Uh, I'm going to get my ass kicked for that. That's fine. I deserve it. Mm. Um, yeah. And we, t- I mean, we talked about this last week with Will as well, where I was saying that I, I generally use like a big thing of oil. Um, and I was told maybe better off using a, a, a smaller thing. And I think if you're using a smaller thing, it's, it's pr- maybe cooled down quicker as well. Um. Yeah, I don't know. If I were doing a few knives, if if I were doing like what you're doing, and if I was, I mean, you're plate quenching your knives, but if I was going to do, yeah, and I actually, when I did the Cuban knives, I made 37 of them, and I was very conscious of the oil, and if I were going to do 100, I would make a few different quench tanks, like thin one, you know, like at a four by four tubing, and then I would just rotate through them. And I even thought about what you were doing, Eric, and I thought about actually getting a bucket of ice and just trying to cool it all down. And I just basically was like, I'm just going to calm myself and take my time and not rush into, you know, using oil that's too hot. I don't know. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? God damn it. (laughs) The next one comes from, I'm sorry, I'm so gluggy today. I apologize. My next one comes from HCK, Texas. Hey guys, how do you finish the spines of your knives? Do you leave them sharp 90s? Hit them with a file or sandpaper? That's ah. a good question. Well, I'm about to spend 17 hours doing yeah, mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I take I, I round them off slightly. Um, so with these particular knives that I'm working on at the moment, they've got a little bit of file work right. on them, um, and they can be especially quite oh, sharp, yeah. you know, especially on, on that area where the top of the spine. So, yeah, I generally use a um, surface conditioning belt, one of those Scotch-Brite belts, 
um, take my tool rest off, so it's just a you know a yeah. big long platen, and then just just sort of swish it across either side. Um, it takes a while, if, especially if it's if it's hardened steel. Um, yeah, but just take those edges off so it's nice rounded, and it just, it just makes it so much nicer to use, and it feels nice. And you can guarantee if you give anybody one of the knives with a rounded spine, the first thing they're going to do is put their finger down that spine just because it feels really yeah. nice. It makes a huge, huge difference. I I started doing something with the past within the past year that's made it a little bit easier for me to round the spines, and I'm trying to do that. I, I, before I didn't care. And, and and but now I'm just starting because I'm you know now it's really I'm you know over the past few years I've been really trying to figure that out. So what I've been doing is what you've been what you in terms of the surface conditioning belt I'll put on my platen, and then I'll push the the platen out past the wheels so the wheels aren't going to touch your knife. And then what I do is mm-hmm. before I heat treat the knife, especially because I do the file work on the back of the handle. Um, I'll do the file work. I'll do the holes. Maybe if it's two, if it's three thirty seconds or sixteenth, I won't grind anything off at all. And then I'll mark where my, where my, with a pen, I'll mark with where my, uh, the end of my plunge line is on the spine, where the plunge line ends. And then I'll break all those on the grinder, perched out before I heat treat. And then that just lets me just not have to think about it afterwards because I'm just rolling it on that platen, you know, uh, where the mm-hmm. tip of the knife is facing down and then the heel of the knife is facing up. And because my platen is perched out a little bit, my handle is not going to hit the wheel of the top of the yeah the platen. So that, I've been doing that lately and it's been it's made everything a lot easier to do. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Whilst we're talking about grinders, I want to talk to you about one of our oh. sponsors. It's the it's the grinder that I use, which is the from Clarix Metalworks. It's their BG Pro, and they're currently on a version two, but it's just had a massive refresh. They probably should have called it a version three because it's so different, but it's really cool. So it's got one big cast aluminium body, which you, which you rarely see. So it's one big solid machine. Um, it's got forward reverses. It's got um, they all come with a VFD. Um, but the really cool thing about it, it's got a bunch of slots for different tool arms. So you can be really, really flexible. Um, but you can order that in a you know 1.5 inch for those in the US or a, or a 30 mil um, if you're in the if you're in uh, Europe. They'll ship they'll ship worldwide very very cheaply. Really really nice machine. It rotates. So it's a horizontal grinder as well. But they've got a bunch of extra accessories. So whether it's small wheels or big wheels or massive, massive, they do huge it's wheels. Like a wheelchair wheel. So go take a look at yeah. Go take a look at ClarexMetalworks.com. Very, very affordable. Very, very flexible. And I'd say if you're going to have one grinder, this is the one to have because it does everything. There you go. That was a good transition there too. We're getting good at this. Oh, I think. 114 shows in. We finally cracked it. <laughs> Let's take another from Fox River Blades. Would you, would you rather hand sand a thirty-six grit ground knife with only one thousand grit sandpaper, or or not use power tools for six months? Ay ay ay! This is a torturous situation right there. One thousand yeah. grit sandpaper. I mean, you'll wipe my ass with one thousand grit sandpaper. <laughs> Or not use power tools. My, to- my I mean... toilet paper is sponsored by Indasa USA. <laughs> sponsors of the finest. It's the shit. Toilet paper known to man. Get Texas Ferris Supply, 10% off. Use Knife Talk 10. Thank you. 
There we go. Um, I think, I mean, if you can't use power tools for six months, I'd say go on holiday for six months. <laughs> it's going to take you six months the to old, do that 36 grit with that's a That's the old workaround paper. right there. I'll tell you what, if I didn't have, I would go with, I wouldn't use power tools for six months and I'd make forged, I'd make forged blades and boy, I, I would forge the, I would be, I would do the, like what Neil's doing where he's doing the very, the, you know, he's, he forges so tight and he, I, he, I'm amazed at how he's able to, Neil Kamamura is able to forge so thin. And then, you know, same thing with, uh, Jason Knight, these guys forge and then they just throw on a little edge and it's all squared away. That's what I would do. Everybody would be like, Oh, is this brute to forge? I'm like, that's what you're getting. Cause I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to use that toilet paper to clean up my 36 grit belt. <laughs> Finish. Whatever. Ah, shall we do one more sure. question and then move on? If you've got anything specific yeah, you, wanna, you, you want to go through? Whatever you want. Let's have a look. Uh, 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 <clears throat> Here's a good one. D Halpin 22. I want to use G10 plus brass and wood as a liner and handle. So brass sandwiched between the G10 and the wood. He says, any tips to make sure it doesn't separate from the heat in the brass when I mount them and start grinding away? He said, it tried it once and it was a real shit show. I have a tip. Yes. Go find some yellow G10 liners because <laughs> fuck that 100%, completely 100%. Yeah. I mean, I did a whole bunch of knives with brass liners um, and it took me a while to, to get get it where it was working because I was having the same thing. The heat would just pop them off and you're trying to put them back on and it was just it was just a mess. I was wasn't happy with the final result. So... What I did in the end is um, using Corby bolts, use a, a sacrificial bolt. Um, so grind down a, a basically put a, put in a Corby bolt as if it's going to be used. Grind it down flush, um, and then use um, a little you know one of those little hand grinders and put a slot in there, so you can then undo it. So it's it's it, it's all flush. So you can finish the handle as as it would be completely finished. What you can do then you can then take it off. Then you can glue everything up as you would do, and then you can put in a real Corby. So you're doing very, very little grinding because it's all ground to shape with your sacrificial. It's a great idea. Sounds like a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but I think it looks really nice. I think a a polished brass line that looks really, really special. Would you consider like skeletonizing that brass just to make sure that it's getting as you know as much there's as much epoxy as possible getting in between because i'm always afraid that, a, that if you don't you gotta really scuff up that brass and you gotta make sure there's a plenty of room for there to be you know glue to kind of catch yeah the the biggest issue i found with that is because brass it sort of burrs so easily and, and bends so easily because you know yeah if it's a liner it's yeah. generally gonna be pretty thin I, I think i was using like one or two mil very very thin as soon as you start either drilling holes or trying to mill anything, it's just going to bend and lose its right. form and it'll have these crazy burrs on there. Um, so I wasn't. So I was drilling holes, but they were they were literally tiny, tiny right. holes on a really, really fast drill press. Um, and just so I can just get a couple of little holes in there. Um, but, yeah, you've got to be very careful because it will bend. It will deform super simply um, and, and burr up as well. Um, it, it is a real task using brass as a liner is is difficult, but um, yeah, if you use those um, those um, bolts, um, sacrificial bolts, you can finish the handle as if it's a finished knife. You can then take up the sacrificial bolts, put in your real bolts, just grind the heads of those off, and you're done. Brass in general is like is 
it looks awesome and all my Corbys are all brass. I just like, I find that they finish quite easily. Uh, I'll tell you a story back in the day when I was at a finishing metal shop, we were making, we had a rush job on this brass. Um, it was like a, a return vent, you know, in your house, if you have like a, a heating system in your floor and you'll have like a return vent in the floor and then you make a cover. And we used to make covers for these, um, homes so there was i don't know what happened my boss screwed something up or something like that we had to rush out this mirror finish return vent cover so one of the guys welded it up and one of the guys grinded it up they gave it to me to go on the mirror finish uh and we were finishing up there were the people were about to show up and i caught the buffer on one of the corners it pulled that fucking thing out of my hands sent it across mm. the room and turned that brass into a pretzel <clears throat> we had to redo the entire thing because it was like so soft and it was so deformed and it was like hot. And it was like, I was like, I was like, come on, they were out to show up and I was like, hey, get the welder out again. I'm going to redo this whole thing. So yeah. it's not, it's not the nicest stuff to use, but I think polished up, it, oh, it does look just awesome, does especially look with like, you know, yeah. a nice piece of wood. It's just dynamite. But the, in regards mm. to the heat and regards to everything else, I'm so afraid to grind off the Corby's that I always cut them off. I cut the excess off when we're all when we're all dried up and ready to finish the handle. I'll cut the heads off. I got a bucket filled with Corby heads that I, because I'm mm. too afraid that they're going to get too hot and it's going to burn the wood around or burn the handle material, which can happen too. You know, if yeah, you yeah, if you yeah. hog go hog wild with a belt on a Corby and you've got some, you're going to burn you're going to burn up that G10 or wood. I just see that real easy. And use sharp yeah, erasers. Yeah, take your time. There's where exactly from anyway. Well, either uh, combat abrasives or uh, knife talk ten, knife <laughs> talk fifteen, combat abrasives. Get yourself some shredder belts. There we go. We got beef. This has become a thing where listeners is also sending in their beefs. So this is something that we do every yeah. week where if, if something's been playing on our mind or just winding us up all week, we sort of vent a little bit at the end right. of the show. So we've got some listener beefs. The first one is from CN Knives. Um, it says that you had a potential customer who wanted to see a knife in person before buy-in. After an irritating back and forth and offering a money-back guarantee if they didn't like it, finally agreed to have this person come and see the knife. Um, never again. Um, and then they were ghosted. Friggin' dong, he says. <laughs> this is why it's good to have a good uh, website. You got, you got your, you got your picture, yeah. but you know, some people are difficult. Some people are, some people are mm. just, that's just in their nature. They're difficult. I fucking don't yeah. like this. It's just like, you know, we're doing this work and it's, we don't, re you know, we think of this not being business and then people act like it's a business and then we're not thinking of it like a business next thing you know freaking dong the guy ghosts you i fucking hate that one <laughs> freaking freakin dong. dong that's sticking that freakin dong. <laughs> that's our next t-shirt freaking dong all right the next one comes from wilburn forge leather uh my beef is when some b-hole asks why my hands are so man-handish and they know that i work with my hands wilburn forge <laughs> leather is uh francesca Wilburn from uh, she, her dad is Aaron Wilburn and she makes incredible leather. So the reason why she's worried that people think that they say that she's manhandish is because she's not a man. 
Mm. I tell you what, I, I was watching a video this week of somebody doing some leather work, some sheaths and so on. And the strength that you need in your hands to do leather work is just incredible. I've got, I've got, I've got tiny hands, um, and there's no way I could do it. But just seeing them pushing these needles and so on, but honestly, the the finger strength is incredible. I would. I'm starting to want to do a leather sheath, but I'm not. I'm just like mm. it's like in my mind. I'm thinking, yeah, this would be kind of interesting to do. And it's just like one more thing you got to do. You know, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm a, it's always impressive to see you know really great leather work and and um, yeah, she makes she makes some incredible uh, leather work. P.S. I just got a book from Brent Bailey. Brent Bailey's an awesome blacksmith out in California. He's just like he's very known for his hammers and his forging style. He's been on the Blacksmith Pub a few times. Incredible, incredible uh, blacksmith, and he has two uh, books out. One is called, uh, it's a, these are you know, photograph books on how to forge hammers and also how to forge axes. This is, this is not a sponsor. I'm just, I'm just, you know, bringing it up. I, I got the, I got the axe book. Yeah. The pictures are amazing. And on the, on the back cover, it's him and his hands. And he got he, his hands. I turned to my wife. I was like, his hands are as bad as mine. He's got the picture. He's got rubber bands and plastic and tape and you got band-aids uh, all over the place. I'm like, yeah, you know, look, these guys work with their hands. So, top tip: Don't put up a successful YouTube video if you've got stinking hands. I sh- I don't know what my, my that was when I did that <laughs> goddamn thing. My wife was just like, eh, "Your hands look like shit." It was the problem was it was so fast paced that I didn't really have a lot of time nor the inclination to worry about my. Eh, they're gonna look at my hands. All there's tons of close ups yeah. of my yeah, well, hands. Yeah. Right now. The P.S. My hands definitely look like I went to third base with a pencil sharpener. I, I'm cut the shreds. <laughs> right, typical pagan um, anonymous beefs. He's got two pushing his luck there. I think when people buy sandmai or Damascus billets, then do stock removal blades from them, <clears throat> and they claim to have forged it to try and boost their sales or the street cred, which sadly usually works. Yeah, why people would do that, I, I don't know. P.S. I'm not sure it's an anonymous beef if his name is in the front. We blame you for that, Jeff. You did That's the show my notes. Fault, but you know, it's <laughs> you no longer anonymous up. beef. His uh, typical exactly. pagan's second anonymous beef is stock removal guys who ask forging guys to do collaborations, but grind out the forge guys' maker's mark and then claim forge blades and give them no credit. Also, don't split the pay or billet blade. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Well. A, well this a, yeah. This is some bullshit. This is some criminality. It's some bullshit. There's no need to be anonymous. Yeah, there. I, mean, I think we all agree with those. TP, yeah. you're all right with us. Jesus. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Yeah. So. Community showcase. This is the time in the show where we give love to makers that we think that you should be looking at. Either they have too, you know, too few followers, or they're doing something good in the world. And and I, uh, we got Marekos is in here, and we're gonna bring it in anyway. So because he's not here, but it doesn't matter. So, Craig, what do you got? Yeah, you know I struggled this week um, because I'm generally following less and less makers and more sort of chefs and restaurants because they're they're my customer, and I'm just spending a lot less time on Instagram. Right. But um, I'm gonna give a shout out to the hashtag Knife Talk BA. So for all those people who've done the the build along with us, go take a look. Knife Talk BA and 
it took me a while to realise that you can actually search hashtags. Um, but yeah, search hashtag knife talk BA and you'll see the examples of all the people who've taken our design um, and made versions of it. And some have changed radically and some have, you know, kept to that classic shape. It's just really nice to see everybody's work because, you know, this is this is very much, we try to involve the listeners as much as we can, but it's very much, you know, in this case, me and Jeff just having a right. chat. Um, but, you know, it's nice to see that you guys have been involved and, and just to see your work. And some of it is is mind-blowing. For some people, it's their very first knife. Just really nice to see. So Knife Talk BA, uh, and the BA stands for Build Along. So maybe we'll do another one maybe in a year's time or something. But I think this one people have enjoyed doing, and it's the work is, is Well, is thanks phenomenal. to you. We'll take a look. You, this is your brainchild, and this, is, this has been thanks to you. You've inspired a lot of people to do this. So hats off to you because I didn't really do anything except for struggle. <laughs> and one day I will finish the knife yeah, myself. I've got look- it's just that I'm away, I'm away from my tools at the moment. I'm, I'm, well, everyone's yeah, taking I'm over, exiled. so congratulations. But you did all the hard work, and yeah. it's nice to see people actually listening to you. So. Because <laughs> they don't normally. <laughs> but no, it is lovely to see everybody's work. And um, some of it is just super, super impressive. So yeah, Knife Talk BA. Very good. Well, Marekos is someone that everyone should be following just because this is the this is the upper upper level of upper levels, which is Fireforge. That's P-H-Y-R-E-F-O-R-G. That's Peter Braspinick's. He is, as far as I'm concerned, he is one of the most innovative blacksmiths in the united states for sure he's he's he teaches at the center for metal arts he teaches at the new england school of metal work he makes these his whole thing is he makes these connections these forge welded connections that are almost like mc escher drawings like you kind of he kind of defies the laws of physics and he's he's just in terms of you know blacksmiths dying off and who's being more innovative and he is just so extraordinarily innovative um that it's just it's everything he does is amazing they're simple but they're just breathtaking and he's very thoughtful in how he forge welds things and he's just awesome so go fire go follow fireforge uh that was a good one Mareko. you you uh you coughed up a good one and <clears throat> i wanted to give love to someone i probably already did before but he said something recently that it made a lot of sense so my friend chris zeppieri is make everything shop and he's a, a he's a super super good guy, and he's been to the shop. We've hung out. He's a super nice guy. So basically, what he has, he's got a shop in Long Island, and it's filled with tools. He's friends with um, Paul Pinto and Jimmy Deresta and Derek from Alden, who listens every Monday. He been Derek from Alden. We got it up. I know he calls me up if it's not up right off the bat. I'm with you, Derek. So Chris, um, he also has a day job. He's a I think he's a he represents uh, construction uh, owners for these construction jobs. He will do two full-time jobs. And he was in his car talking about how people who want to go from part-time to full-time, what they need to do. And he says, you don't have to just quit a job to do something else. You just have to work harder. And he was talking about, he wakes up at five in the morning and he runs to the shop and then he goes to the job and then he goes to his other job. It was very eye-opening and very, um, it was very inspiring on how you can make your dreams come true. He didn't say that, 
and I'm killing myself for saying that right now. I was very hokey, but fine. He just says, you just need to figure out ways in which you can do it both. There's no reason why you can't do it all. You just have to, you have to be willing to do it. And it was a really, really, I wish, kind of wish he'd, you know, kept that in, you know, like it was very inspirational. Not that I need to be inspired, but I like everything he does. And he figures out ways in which to do his YouTube channel and to do his shop. And he's got a full-time job and he, and he also has a you know girlfriend and he's just a fucking good dude. And you should definitely give, um, make everything shop a follow. Chris is, he's a good friend and he's a good dude. Yeah, I like his videos. He's got a really nice style to his videos where it's not rushed and he explains things really well. It's He is really a nice. smart guy. And when you hear and you know, like for me, when you I can't I'm terrible at details. Like like you know what kind of chuck this is in the drill press and this is da, 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 da. he is very very well spoken and I have a feeling, I mean I'm not saying anything, but I mean I think you're going to be seeing a lot more from him in the future because he's just he's just got a great sense about him. He's super smart. He understands things. He's funny. He doesn't give a fuck. And um, he's just a super, super good dude. I really like Chris a lot. And he makes knives. Cool. He makes folders. Cool. He makes beautiful folders. So there you go. Nice. He sent me some stickers, and I've got I've got one on my bandsaw, which simply says "Don't." Yeah, die. I got those two. <laughs> which, which I got a, nice. I got a "Don't die" on my tire <laughs> hammer. Uh, I love looking at that. So yeah, he's a good dude. I love I love Chris. <laughs> We got beef. More beefs. So these are our beefs. What's been grinding us this week? Um, and mine is something that happened this morning. So I speak to Toma from Florentine Knives quite regularly. We, you know, we, we do similar work and, we're, you know, we're, we're sort of buddies. We help each other out where we can. Um, and he knows that I've been hankering after a um, a laser for for a long time. It's like the top of my shopping list, but it's it's just too expensive for me. You know, a fiber laser, so I can do my logos right. and I can do some sort of arty stuff on blades, that kind of thing. They they run in sort of four grand plus, that kind of thing. Um, but they're coming down like every month. They're coming down in price massively because the majority were made in China, and you know it's it's just super competitive there. Um, but he sent me an Instagram link this morning um, of a a fiber laser, and they're generally all the same. They're all made in the same factory. They they all right. look the same. But this one was like a handheld version of one, so you could rest it on the piece. Um, and it was on on this website, and it was like reduced to like fifty nine ninety nine. <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, no way. You know, there's 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 no way in the world this could be real. And he's like, well, you know, who knows? Who knows? And I'm, just, I'm reading the description and, then it, you know, it reads as if it's the real deal and all the rest. So I looked and I'm like, well. Oh, no. You know, the the the, the other items that they sell on the website, they're all, you know, priced normally. And, it, you know, so it's, it's sort of half legit, right. you know, but maybe they've just made a mistake with this. And I'm just like, so I'm looking and I'm like, ah. Oh. Sweating, you know, you're sweating like I'm, I'm sweating. I'm like I'm, I'm gonna. T- I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna take a punt here because it's only like sixty dollars, yeah. and that you know, and I, we could effectively have this. So I'm looking at. So I look at the checkout, and there's there's a good sign is always when there's no PayPal. Uh, I mean, I don't do PayPal on my website either because I I really hate them. But um, they give they give the buyer a good sort of protection, and and this company didn't have a PayPal. So basically, there's this Chinese company asking for my address. And my credit card details, you know, and I'm just like, oh, it's clearly a scam. And but I've still got my sweat on. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. And 
So I hate Toma for sending me that link, for just getting this in my head that maybe I could I could get this laser. I know I can't. I'm not going to give them my credit card details. But it's just that little, you know, somebody's opening right. the door just slightly. You can peek in and say, maybe, maybe. And you know, common sense tells you it's a scam. So, yeah, it's it's one of those Instagram scammers with a link to something that's too good May to be I true. May I suggest... I love Tomer. I love, I talk to him. I think he's just, he's one of my good friends. He's a great dude. Might I suggest that he was doing a number on you because he wanted you to buy it first. I bet that's And he wanted to make sure, he's like, oh, here's a good way to do it. Craig, this looks like a pretty good deal. And then he all, you know, you're going to, you know, because I know he got problem with back in the day, you know, when we talked about fucking Tim, I know that you both have fucking Tim problems. That's a the yeah. inside from a few number of episodes ago. I think that's what I think what that's what Tomer did. I think so. I think you know I, another thought that crossed my mind is that the this scammer who's got this website is Chris Cunningham's wife. <laughs> yeah, this is the Zodiac. She's not Zodiac Tools. <laughs> Zodiac Tools. Unbelievable. Very yeah. good. Well, if it's too good to be true, you know, you know. Exactly, but I've still got a sweat on. I'm still thinking, uh, is it worth? Yeah, I know that sweat. <laughs> it's I had a friend not. from uh, from Scotland, and he used to work for uh, Johnny Walker. And he, every time he'd buy something expensive, he would drench himself with sweat. So I mean, it would be like he'd be so nervous about spending money, and I always would make jokes because every time I see him. I, he'd be sweating and just like nervous. And I'm like, did you just buy something? He's like, yeah, I just bought a Bose radio system. And the next time I was like, did you just buy something? He's like, yeah, I just bought a, a Mercedes. I was just like, fuck me, man. Can't you control yourself? Jesus. I know that. That's why I said it. Cause it's just like, I know that feeling of just like, Oh, should I, should I buy it? Should I, should I buy it? Oh God. Yeah. Well, don't do it. Let hey, Tomer. No, Tomer, I, I, I know you're I listening will. to this. Why don't you buy it first? Don't do that old, Banana the tailpipe to Craig. Come on, man. I know you. <laughs> what have you got? What's been grinding your well, gears this week? This is a weird one. I was yesterday while I was waiting for my, uh, I was uh, uh, heat treating the two friction folder blades. I was waiting for the temperature to come up and I decided ah, I got a little time. Why don't I go on Instagram live? So I was wearing my Alex Steele. He makes a sweatshirt that I like. It's, uh, it says Forge or Die. And there's an anvil. And this is old classic. It's a good sweatshirt. I've been wearing that a lot. And um, he, Alec came on, and all these people were talking, and or Alex Steele Co. was came on, and we we're talking, and we we're talking about stuff, and I was talking about heat treated temper, something like that, and we we're having an you know interesting conversation, and then some, I just read in the in the in the notes, somebody writes, "Show me your feet." <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So so the funny thing is, is just like, <laughs> I I I. I just, I just, it came right out quick. I mean, there wasn't thinking. I just, he said, show me your feet. And I said, show me your feet. Go fuck yourself. I said, just like that. And people started laughing. Jimmy Knives was in the house. And the funny thing is, is I think that, you know, I get along really well with Will Stelter. And Will, this wasn't Will Stelter who asked to see my feet, P.S. He, he and I are totally the opposites. When he goes on Instagram live and someone says something, you know, gross or fresh to him, he'll be quiet and nice and you know, give a, you know, an explanation or that sounds weird. I do everything the opposite of, of Will. So whatever Will does, I'm going to do the opposite. So he would say something and I'll be like, oh, fuck yourself. I'm not showing you my feet. Get the fuck out of here. It was really, it was actually kind of funny, but it reminded me of a guy a number of years ago or a year or so ago, sometime I was doing Instagram live and I was talking and he started in with, 
I don't mean to be a dick, but, and then he went into whatever he had to say. (laughs) So I immediately, I didn't even think. I just went straight into, hey, listen, dick butt. I'm not interested in, when you start in with, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be a dick. What you're saying is get ready for the dick. (laughs) Get ready for dick city because I'm about to be a dick. So my beef is not really with anybody, but the fact is, is I have a very short fuse and 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 people are slipping to my dms and sometimes they're not liking my responses and i have i'm just i i have become much more short fused than i normally am but if you ask to see my feet on instagram live you are going to get fucking berated so it's not really beef it's just a way way it is it's a weird one. Yeah. Show me your feet. Don't fuck you. Show me. Don't, don't tell me. To, you don't fuck you. I'm going to pull my shoe off. Show you my feet. Go fuck yourself. And then Jimmy Knives says, is, I don't think you shows. realize. I think you wanted to see your dick. I was like, all right, Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks, bud. It's like, fine. I didn't even realize that. I was like, oh, you want to see my feet. So there you have it. <sighs> Right, we're coming to the end of the show. This is where... So we we start the show, the top of the show, we talk about what we've done this week. And here at the end of the show, I like to think, what's the dream for the week? Where, where do we want to be this time next week? It could be something simple, could be something quite difficult that you, that's challenging you. What's the dream My for the week, My hat's Jeff? off to you for this because I was all tore up and in knots from looking at me, let me see your feet. And now I'm all <laughs> relaxed. I love Chill it. Super- out. My favorite. God damn, that's so good. All right, so I'm excited because I'm going to be flying down to Florida to see my buddy, Jonathan Porter, and a few listeners from the podcast. I know that Summit and C. Smithing is going to be there. Chris Sharp is going to be there. Um, some other people uh, from the podcast, listen to the podcast, are going to be down there. We're going to we're going to do a blacksmithing class. I heard tell that maybe Steve Schwartzer is going to stop by with maybe... Andreas Kalani might come by. There's going to be some, we're going to have a lot of fun. Jonathan is such a good dude. He's, he's super uh, hospitable and I'm super pumped to be down there with him and his lovely family. He's got two beautiful daughters and an awesome wife and they're just as such and great dogs. And it's just like a real nice, the times that were there, always good. So the dream is going to happen and get out of this goddamn cold New York. Yeah. Is it snowing? Uh, no, there? it's actually, well, I'm, it's like in the forties, but it's been, yesterday was in the fifties, but it's like, it's like enough already. I'm ready for the spring. Can't mm. take it anymore. Oh yeah. So I'm getting up early in the morning, jumping in the car, taking the, taking the babies with me and I'm going to pick up the, uh, the hardness yeah. tester. So I'm hoping that's going to go well. Um, I've, I need to – in a few weeks, we head back to France, um, and I'll be driving that with me. And I'm just wondering um, whether it's going to need any um, – Bracing? Oh, fuck. Calibration? No. Um, calibration, yeah. yeah. Any calibration when I get to the other side. Um, and I'm not quite sure how they work yet, so – I'm hoping it's going to be a week where that just works well for me. It doesn't require any calibration because I've got a lot of heat treating to start this week. You should talk to Chris Zeppieri. He's got like a thousand. Yes, you should shoot him a message. Chris, make everything. He's got like a pile of of Rockwell testers. He knows how to do all the calibrations too. Yeah, 
Because they seem to be all based around the same idea of a 150-gram load on the back, which you apply the load and all the rest of it. But um, once it's been moved, I'm not sure, so so we'll see. Um, and, yeah, and the other thing is um, a bunch of heat treating. So e- each evening I'll be um, doing a batch. So I'm hoping they're all going to go well. Um, no reason why they shouldn't. They're all being plate quenched. Um, and that's it. That would be the, that would be a lovely week if I could get you know break the back of this of this heat treating, and if the um, the hardness testers work in, I can I can test as I'm doing the heat treating as well, which would be lovely because before I've always had to sort of send them out. We got somebody local to us in France, and he'll test them. But it's it's generally a sample of each batch, you know. So I'll be able to do you know as many as I need to do now, and it'll be interesting to see if I'm doing five at a time. Um, when I was oh, yeah. the the kiln each time to to see if there's That's a difference. That's going to be very interesting. Um, yeah, and I know some people say, well, it won't be so much the hardness; it'll be more about the grain structure, I suppose. But um, it'll be interesting to see the hardness. How, how if that is does that unit going to be heavy? Do you know how heavy it is? Well, it, it applies a load of 150 kilograms, which is obviously super heavy. But um, it, it, the way it does that, it uses like um, like a fulcrum system. So the actual weights you use in there, like I think they're under 20. No, I was just each, saying that know? the whole unit is it heavy because I've seen them and they're they're beasts. Yeah, I'd imagine that they're going to be cast. Um, I just hope you can move so in yeah, your car I, with I your kids. Think... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we've got this huge boot thing. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, we should be good. I've, I've spoken to the guy. He said, yeah, it should be okay. able to get in the back. It should be fine. Um, but yeah, that's my week. So, you know, fingers crossed, we both get what we want this week. We're going to get it. <laughs> that's there a good go. show. We finished. We finished. Hour and 39 minutes. Right on the dot. Right on the dot. There we go. Yes. So next week, we've got a a special edition coming up. So Jeff talked about it earlier in the show where Jeff speaks with John. That's right. Um, So John Ariani of Sunset Forge NJ. Um, And that's already been recorded. So we're going to play that one out next week. um, And we'll speak to you the week after. All the best. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.